So it's on the rabbi's mind, Shabbat. And as I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, today is the first day in 598 years that the Catholic Church has been without a pope, really for any reason other than death. The last pope to step down while still alive was Pope Gregory the Twelfth in 1415, until Benedict XVI said his final farewell this week before a crowd of 100,000 of the faithful applauding and cheering and waving banners of support in St. Peter's Square. They do that for me all the time when I get up and speak. My 100,000. It's such a momentous event in world history that, as I said, I felt compelled to, to talk about it tonight. Besides, I was thrilled to discover that the Pope and I have something in common. We share an identical professional trajectory. As of today, the former Pope Benedict XVI will officially be known as Pope Emeritus. A title so cool, I kind of want it for myself. Not Pope Emeritus, Rabbi Emeritus. They both have a ring about them, don't they? Pope Emeritus. Of course, unlike um, at KI, where my successor has already been determined, without the pomp and the mystery of a secret conclave of 115 kippah-wearing cardinals, the Catholic cardinals will gather next week, pushing the original March 15th deadline as early as possible so they can begin the process of electing the new pope. And of course, unlike at KI, where our lay congregation and board of trustees choose their rabbinic spiritual leader, the cardinals will meet and select from among themselves, which of them will overnight be declared the infallible the Bishop of Rome, instant descendant of the original disciple St. Peter, and apostolic leader of a billion-plus Catholics throughout the world. It's like instantaneous transformation into infallibility. I've been trying that here for 27 years. <laughs> Hasn't worked yet. The Cardinals supposedly vote by secret ballot, but since it took only two days to elect Benedict eight years ago, and three days to choose his predecessor, you remember John Paul II, I suspect that the field of real candidates has considerably narrowed from the alleged 115 who are there to just a few before the gathering even takes place. But since we're talking about the papacy here in the synagogue tonight, uh, as you might expect, one of the questions I've been asked numerous times over the past couple of weeks, because this is how Jews think, is, was Pope Benedict good or bad for the Jews? Do you think anybody else asks that kind of question? Only Jews ask, was the Pope good or bad for the Jews? Well, by comparison, at the beginning of the 20th century, Pope Pius X was asked by Theodore Herzl, whom you all remember, the founder of modern Zionism, to support the Jewish return to Israel, and instead the Pope proclaimed he would rather have the Turks controlling Palestine than the Jews, because after all, the Jews still have not accepted Jesus. And then there was the famous Pope Pius 
the 12th, who has been often castigated for his lack of standing up to Hitler and the Nazis during the Holocaust and of ignoring the pleas of the persecuted Jewish community of Europe when his stature and power could possibly have saved untold numbers of human lives. So when all is said and done, Pope Benedict in his brief eight years has done as much and in some cases more than almost any other pope in history to bridge the gap between Jews and Catholics, to heal the wounds of centuries and to stand up in support of the Jewish community. For example, Benedict made a sweeping condemnation of anti-Semitism in all of its forms and a sweeping exoneration of the Jewish people for the death of Jesus. It's like, that one had me worried. But it was something that he wrote it, and it really means something that he was willing to be public about it. As I'm sure you know, he visited Auschwitz, he visited Yad Vashem in Israel, he prayed at the Western Wall, placed his own little secret notes in its ancient crevices. Wouldn't you love to read what the Pope put in the wall in Jerusalem? He did his best to build bridges with the Jewish community that he called, quote, our loving brothers and sisters. He made this really a priority in his papacy in many ways. He visited synagogues in many countries. He hosted interfaith gatherings and special public meetings with delegations of Jewish leaders and rabbis. A few years ago, even I was part of an interfaith group from Los Angeles that was co-sponsored by the Southern California Board of Rabbis, of which I was the president, and the Archdiocese of Los Angeles making a pilgrimage to Rome and Jerusalem, meeting with the Pope in the Vatican, as well as other top leadership of the Catholic Church. Benedict condemned Holocaust denial around the world, having been forced as a child to join the Hitler Youth. As some of you know, he knew all too well from personal experience the reality of Hitler's devastating role in European and in Jewish history. And in his final address to the faithful of the Catholic Church this week, he spoke these words which grabbed my attention and my theological interest. As some of you may have heard it or read it if you've been following the Pope's retirement. They didn't have a party for him, did they? They promised to have a party for me. Anyway, in assuring the Catholics from around the world that uh, even though he would no longer be Pope, I mean, he will be Pope Emeritus, but he won't be the Pope, he would forever see himself as a servant of the people and God. He used this phrase that I, I assume had a particularly powerful resonance in the Catholic world, but uh, I found to be curious. He said, I'm not coming down from the cross. I'm not coming down from the cross. And I thought, what a dramatic image. I'm not coming down from the cross. Actually, what a, what a painful, almost martyr image. I'm not coming down from the cross. After all, the cross in Catholic churches is where the, the bloodied body of Jesus hangs in all its pain and suffering. 
it hangs in this dramatic image, a lesson for all to see of the theological conviction that original sin came into the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve and passed to all human beings. For Catholics, it's, a, it's fundamentally because of Jesus' atoning death on the cross that we have the opportunity to have our sins forgiven. So when Benedict proclaimed to the world, I'm not coming down from the cross, he was evoking that image, this image of, of God becoming human in the body of Jesus and then becoming a, literally a human sacrifice through his death on the cross to atone for the sins of all humanity. It's such a powerful image. But it's not very Jewish, really. And so when I read it and I thought about it, it reminded me of the conversations that I have every week with all of the bar and bat mitzvah kids as they're preparing for their bar and bat mitzvah. And I have the same conversation with Riley, in fact, and with her family when I, when I meet with them. It's the question of what does it mean to be an adult in Judaism because we have a bat mitzvah, we have a bar mitzvah every week. We have two of them every week. And we say, you're becoming an adult. And, and so we ask the question, well, what does that mean? And the answer, the conversation about that inevitably focuses, centers around the fundamental principle of personal responsibility for who we are and what we say and what we do, how we act toward others and the choices that we make in our everyday lives. To be a Jewish adult is to take responsibility for the consequences of the choices we make and to know that what we say matters and what we do matters and who we are matters. And that ultimately, it's to recognize that the Torah teaches us that we are supposed to be an or lagoim, a light to the world by how we act and by who we are. As we are witness to this remarkable historic moment in the life of the Catholic Church where soon a new pope will be chosen. The new pope is essentially the newest high priest of the Catholic world. It reminds us that in the Jewish world we haven't had priests for over 2,000 years. We have rabbis, we have teachers. And once the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem, and the biblical priesthood was no more, we embraced the teaching that the Torah has taught us that we are to be a kingdom, a mamlechet kohanim, a kingdom of priests. We're all supposed to be priests and a holy people. That each of us is to be the priest of our own lives, in our own families, in our own communities. It's up to you and to me not to turn to another for absolution from our sins. That's not how Jews do it. Instead, we accept our fallibility of being human. We wrestle with the Yetzer Tov and the Yetzer Ra, the good and evil, uh, difficult inclinations in all of us. We accept that we make mistakes, because that's what it means to be who we are. And every year we do what we can, what's in our own power, to grow our own souls, to become better versions of ourselves, to become the best version of ourselves that we can be. That's the Jewish way of doing it. 
it's not looking to anyone else to absolve us from our own mistakes and our own sins. It's challenging ourselves to simply do better and simply be better. The Torah portion of this Shabbat, Moses turns to God. It's this famous story, of course, getting the Ten Commandments, coming down the mountain, golden calf, being really pissed off, and uh, smashing the tablets and eventually going back up. Moses is discouraged. He's upset, as leaders tend to be. And he turns to God, and in the Torah, he begs God to show him God's essence. What are you? Who are you? Moses sort of says. Show me who you are. And in this, the famous response of the Torah, God says, can't, I can't do that. I'm not showing up as a person that you can see who I am. In fact, you can't see my face, says our Torah portion this week. All you can see is my back. All you can see says the Torah, is my effects in the world. That's how you know who I am. By looking at the world around, looking at the people you interact with, and seeing my impact in the everyday struggles of life itself. I'll cause all my goodness to pass before you, says God in this week's Torah portion. Having that vision is our challenge that vision meaning to see the presence of God hidden in the everyday miracles of our lives. To share that vision with each other, to pass it down to our children, that's what being part of a sacred community is ultimately all about. And so this historic week, as the Pope becomes Pope Emeritus, my prayer is that we look at our own opportunities to be a sacred presence in our own lives and recognize we don't have to look to anyone else to find that holiness because that holiness is within. And that's what the Torah has taught us for thousands of years. And that's the challenge of what it means to be a Jewish adult this year and every year. Amen.